Jesus quoted scripture often and the book he quoted most often was not Genesis or the Psalms or the prophets, but surprisingly enough, it's Deuteronomy. Now, perhaps that's because Deuteronomy serves as a profound interpretive summary of the books preceding it and as Israel's foundation story, actually. So addressed to the next generation, now poised to enter the promised land, Deuteronomy reiterates the events after the Exodus and the laws given to the previous generation, which has, for most part, died in the wilderness. So constructed around these speeches by Moses, Deuteronomy reviews the, the story of the deliverance from Egypt and the journey through the Red Sea to Sinai and through the wilderness and recaps the laws and feasts and the priestly practices instructed by God through Moses. Now, in many ways, it's a pivotal book between Israel's foundation and its future. See, this book opens 40 years into the journey that, that could have taken only a few short weeks. Now, with the children of uh, the rebellious generation still east of the Jordan River, outside the land of Canaan, Moses recounts the history of the journey from uh, Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, reminding the people of the faithlessness and the complaining that has kept them from fulfillment for so long. Now, it must be hard hearing such critical words about their parents, but this generation needs to know that all the stubbornness and idolatrous ways of the past, because such attitudes will not be appropriate in the land of promise. So perhaps Moses' strongest theme throughout the message is this, God alone is worthy of worship as a nation that showcases who God is and the Israelites are called to serve him and him alone. So these are the words of a treaty with terms and conditions clearly spelt out. If the people want to live long in the land, they must be faithful. Now perhaps the best known passage in Deuteronomy is the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. The statement of faith that makes monotheism a non-negotiable truth uh, among God's people and the follow-up commands that Jesus and other rabbis will later designate as the greatest commandment. So in other words, there, there's only one God and he wants our wholehearted love. And this is the key to understanding our existence. In two short sentences, we are told emphatically who created us and why. In the midst of these books of the law, which list God's instruction in often tedious detail, the greater and the deeper commandment is purely relational. God's highest goal for us isn't our obedience, our service, our testimony for him, or any other behavioral uh, outcome. It's that we adore him. Yes, love has implications in all other areas, but first and foremost, our relationship with God is a matter of heart. If we don't love him fully, we're missing our purpose. And that speaks volumes about God. He created human beings in his image, not to have more servants. The host of heaven serve him rather well already, but to be known by, by a heart which appreciates him and who 
ha we have that uh, capacity, uh, a capacity to experience God's love, compassion, mercy, tenderness, and majesty, power, jealously righteous, justice, humility, and other aspects of His glory, according to the inspired words of Moses and later of Jesus. And that is to be the focus of our lives. But this God, who desires our love, also wants us to display His character. So Deuteronomy and the other books of the law are filled with standards. In Deuteronomy 28, God lays out the results of being in a relationship with Him. If the people live consistent with His character by keeping His words, they will be blessed extravagantly. Their prosperity and favor in the land will never cease. But if they forsake Him, failing, and uh, failing to fulfill his laws and falling into idolatry and rebellious against his ways, they will be cursed. The enormous privilege of having relationship with God will turn into an enormous burden, uh, which will be a, and be cast out of the land. You see, these blessings and curses in Deuteronomy explain much of the rest of the Old Testament, why God disciplines and judges his people, why the prophets warn about the coming exile, and why the people experience success or failure in the dealings with each other and with other nations. Now the covenant, the covenant here is a blessing when it is kept and it is a huge crisis when it isn't. So as we will see, it turns out to be a crisis throughout much of Israel's history. So Deuteronomy ends with the commissioning of Joshua to lead the people into the promised land and Moses utters his final words and prophesizes that which will include the famous and strong-worded song of Moses and dies on Mount Nebo. All of Exodus leaders, Miriam, Aaron, and now Moses have died, perhaps as a symbolic uh, and divine statement that the law and the priesthood will not truly be able to get into God's promised land, but a man bearing the name Joshua, Jesus, the name, that same name as our Savior, who will some centuries later take us to that promised land.